Michael Jordan, John Wooden, Shaquille O'Neal. My guest today knows them all. In fact, he has either met, spoken with, or written about some of the most famous athletes in the world. They have also been the quiet heroes too, such as Dick and Rick Hoyt, well-known in Massachusetts. And yet the stories that Don Yeager shares go well beyond sports. They are a microcosm of life and how one achieves greatness to live their best life. Hello everyone. I couldn't be more excited today than to have Don Yeager joining me on my podcast, Live Your Best Life with me, Liz Bruner. Don, welcome and thanks so much for joining me today. I can't believe we finally made this happen. <laughs> I know, Liz, thank you for uh, your persistence, it's awesome. You may not know this, I'm gonna test you on this, but you and I actually have a few things in common. Besides being journalists, besides being curious and enjoying asking the questions, we are both PKs, preacher kids, and we both grew up in Hawaii. Did you know that? Where'd you grow up in Hawaii? We grew up in Kohala and Hilo, Hawaii, on the Big Island. Awesome. Well, I was born in Hilo oh. and raised on the main island of Oahu in a little town called Moanaloa. Small world, so, right? Yes. But as a young child, let's go back to your childhood, becoming a writer really was not sort of your first inclination. You thought you were going to go into the military service. What happened? Because my family had spent so much time around military families, when we finally moved to the continental United States, I was a, a freshman in high school, and I signed up for ROTC thinking that would be the thing to do and that would be my future. And and the night before classes started, the counselor called and said, not enough kids signed up, so we're canceling ROTC. But don't worry, I'll put you on the student newspaper. By complete happenstance, I, I found what would become a passion and a career. People always ask, like, you know, how do you plan for what you do? And I say, sometimes you have to just be open for the moment, right? Sometimes the universe sends things your way in unexpected ways. Out of college, you get that first newspaper job in Texas, and your dad gives you a very good piece of advice that you say actually shaped your entire career. What did he tell you? As I was heading to that first job, he said, you know, because of the career you've chosen, journalism, um, you're going to end up, as you alluded to earlier, uh, in the presence and well, some of the greatest of all time. I'm great people. And while you need to do your job, ask them the questions you're there to ask them. Find yourself one question you can ask them that will make you better. I thought that was really sage advice. And I settled in on one question, which was asking every one of them the same question. If you could name one habit that allowed you to separate yourself from your competitors, what would that habit be? And over the course of a career, I asked that question 2,500 times and uh, recorded their answers in a separate set of notebooks. And when I retired uh, from Sports Illustrated, my last media job, I took those notebooks and kind of went to work and tried to whiteboard out, like, what are the answers that come up most frequently so that I could help people understand what the best in class say they believe helped them establish themselves in that, in that manner. It turned out to be a pretty good piece of advice, and I'm grateful to Dad for having done that for me. Well, you created so many next chapters for yourself. You alluded to your longtime career as a sports journalist at Sports Illustrated. You're a New York Times bestselling author, I believe 11 times New York Times bestselling author, as well as an executive leadership coach, and now a motivational speaker in addition to all of that. 
How did you make that transition from chapter to chapter to chapter? Well, the one kind of through line of the entire thing is that I'm a storyteller at heart, right? I, I love to try to tell stories. I have conversation through story. I, I see stories, right? So it didn't matter where I was, whether it was at a typewriter for a piece that I might be writing or on a stage, I just figured it was all about telling good stories. You've written 29 books, four of which have been turned into movies. And I want to talk about one in particular, Running For My Life, which is Warwick Dunn's life story, which was about football and overcoming struggles. And you talk about some advice that his mom gave in a message about, you know, we each have a moment in our life we can choose to wake up and be bitter or we can wake up and be better. Have you had that kind of a moment in your life? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I'm a cancer survivor. That's certainly a bitter, better moment, right? You can look at it and say, I'm 40 years old. Why, why do I deserve this, right? I mean, I'm, I think I've lived a good life. I think I've been that person that others would want me to be. Why at 40 would I be, you know, if you, if you want to call it that cursed uh, with cancer? What? Or you could say, I'm 40 years old. I'm strong enough to handle it. And now what am I going to do with it? And so, yes, I've learned these great lessons and then tried my best to apply them into uh, my daily living as well. Is there anyone that you have not had an opportunity to interview that you would like to have had? Maybe they passed away or maybe they even said no. <laughs> the one that I've always wished I could have the right conversation with, I've interviewed him, but it's not been the right conversation interestingly, has been with Tiger Woods. I was fascinated by his high-performance mindset for many years, fascinated by, as many of us were, by his, his unraveling, right? And then intrigued by his comeback. But in order for Tiger to have the conversation I'd want to have, he'd have to be in the right state of mind about, you know, where he is and what he's learned. And, you know, and while I believe he probably is there. He's not built to open like that. Some people are built to open and I don't think he is. I would give anything to be able to like try to understand the, the thought process there. You also interviewed Walter Payton and spent the last 10 weeks of his life when he was dying and I know he was one of your heroes. What did you learn from him? You know, a big piece of what I learned from him is that even though he was a hero for me, he was extraordinarily human. And we sometimes, we make that pedestal so high for some people, we forget the human aspect of who they are. And so Walter really worked diligently to remind me about how difficult life was, even for someone who I thought had it all. But it was an amazing journey to get to spend those last few weeks with him, yeah. um, to become part of his family by extension, and be um, grateful for the relationship ever since. With all the athletes and the coaches and everyone that you've had an opportunity to interview, you've always been in search of what makes them tick, what their secret is. What do you think that is, besides the human element that we sometimes forget, to your point, we put them on a pedestal. What's the one thing, though, that is, is their secret, if there is such a thing. Sure, I mean, I would tell you, I think the, the differentiator is the eight inches between your ears, right? 
It's the vision you have for yourself. It's the way you talk to yourself. It's the curiosity quotient, right? The CQ. Who are those people who are most curious? When I hear them ask questions of others, especially those they don't really need to learn from, that's when you start to realize you're in the presence of people that will ultimately and and sustainably remain best in class. At this time that we're recording this conversation, the sports world is essentially on hold because of COVID-19. From your perspective, what impact will this have, not only in the months to come, but potentially the years to come, if any? Well, I think the first piece of it is many of us who just enjoyed sports probably realize how much we missed it, you know? We kind of thought of it as a passing interest, and the truth is, man, my gosh, like I, I miss, I miss being able to turn on, you know, the Masters on Sunday and appreciate the human drama. Forget reality TV. Sports are the ultimate reality TV. For many of them, they're wired to be competitors, right? They wake up every day, the top word on their board is compete. And when you can't do that, or when it feels like you can't do that, looking for alternatives is difficult. So, I mean, I know that many of them are trying to find other ways that they can compete whether it's on Peloton competitions or other things, but they're looking for ways in which they can feed that, uh, that juice, that need that they have. And I'm enjoying that as much as anything in my conversations with many of them. For many of them, they're going to appreciate the opportunity probably greater than they did before. I mean, you know, we just never thought that these things could really go away, right? And, and they were always going to get bigger and more elaborate and better and now they're non-existent. So I honestly believe, talking to many athletes over the last few weeks, that they're gonna have a greater appreciation of the fan and of the arena and the environment. And I think as a fan, I think we'll have a similarly greater appreciation of what's happening. I think many people will appreciate the idea that we're not just passing time, we're witnessing things and maybe even be a, a tad more attentive mm. to some of the extraordinary natures and behaviors of the people we get, to, we get to admire. Well, I can't let you go, certainly, without talking about a couple of local Boston sports figures. <laughs> In your opinion, is Tom Brady the greatest of all time? If so, why? What do you think of him going to Tampa from the Patriots? <laughs> it's a loaded I question. I was saddened to see him go to Tampa, and I live in Florida, so all my Florida peeps will be upset that I said this. But I was also saddened that Joe Montana didn't finish in San Francisco and that Joe Namath didn't finish in, you know, in New York. I, I mean, I think some figures and uh, communities and uniforms are so wonderfully knitted together that the idea that they would be torn apart for whatever reason is, it's a sad reality. And I, I shouldn't be bothered by it because the truth is it happens to all of us. Few of us work our entire career for the same company we started with, right? But some of those folks, um, and, and Tom Brady is one of them, don't belong in another jersey. Um, <laughs> is he the greatest of all time without question? What he did with what he had is where I find myself most impressed. There's a reason why he was drafted 199. He didn't appear to have 
what it was going to take to be successful. And then he proved to many people that we get stuck on appearances and we're, we're all focused on what's going on physically, how tall, how strong, this, that. The truth is it's here and it's here, right? It's heart and it's mind. And those are things that don't get measured on a 40-yard run or a weight bench. Uh, unfortunately, every year we fall back into that same rut where we're measuring everybody with the with those same old standards. And then and I can't getting, not ask you about Coach Belichick, of course. Will they succeed apart? I mean, I think that they were a wonderful pairing. Well, certainly the best pairing of all time. But I mean, they'll both be successful. But will they achieve the kind of things that they – I mean, they don't have time anymore to achieve them elsewhere. So that's not going to happen. But I, I but think, I think Belichick – it's like a good recipe. It's like there, his one ingredients with the other's ingredients, and they came together, and it just worked. Peanut butter and chocolate, baby. <laughs> I want to briefly talk about Kobe Bryant also, because you wrote a beautiful article about him after his passing, and that you said it was all really important for all of us to remember Kobe's unwavering confidence in himself and his commitment to doing the hard, unseen work that greatness requires. How do greatness and living one's best life go hand in hand? It's a difficult mixture. And I think that's one of the things that Kobe articulated better than almost anyone I've ever met. If you go back and you, you, know, you read some of his interviews, and I blessed to interview him a few times, when you get into that discussion, he so well articulated the sacrifice that's required to be extraordinary. You know, there's that old saying, right? Everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die to get there. The great ones are willing to make the sacrifice, but it's not just them. When you study high performance, like a team that I've been always fascinated by is this rugby team in New Zealand called the All Blacks, right? They're the best team in history in their sport. But before every season, every player is essentially required to sign a contract with their family in which they, they say, I desire to be a part of this team, which is the best, which means I want to be the best, which means there will be birthday parties I will miss. There will be key moments that I should, as a father or a husband, be there for that I will miss. But I want to chase this. And if, if you're okay with me chasing this, let's, let's sign this contract together right? That, that you understand this is what it's going to take. And I love the way they did that because most of us want to be really high performers, but we don't want to tell other people, hey, here's the sacrifice that I'm going to make. And here's the sacrifice you're going to make in my universe as I chase it. Mm-hmm. And Kobe articulated that so well. That was an important piece that I think some people missed in his greatness. And I think it's interesting that now upon reflection, that's how a lot of people look at him and his life. Yes, mistakes, but that's, we're all human. And to be able to pick that up and still have that kind of legacy, I think is very important and good for people to remember too. Well, I want to let people know that they can go to your website, donyeager.com, D-O-N-Y-A-E-G-E-R.com, and they can sign up for your daily dose of goodness, which I get in my inbox every day and have for many years now and absolutely love. 
great quotes from presidents, athletes, innovators, really wonderful, good stuff. And we can also order your books and enroll in your programs. And people could even hire you as that motivational speaker at donyeager.com. Don, it's such a pleasure to be able to be with you today. We certainly appreciate all that you are sharing with the world and helping everyone live their best life as well. Thank you, Liz. I've been a big fan of yours for many years and been cheering for you as you've been building this, uh, this next career. So it's an honor to be here with you today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. A pleasure. And thank you to all of you for tuning in today. I hope you make it a great day. And until next time, be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media, helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud and Fast Twitch Media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out fasttwitchmedia.space.